Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome. We have a beautiful day here in Washington, D.C. And on the phone with us this morning is Mr. John Hoseclaw. Mr. Hoseclaw is the Senior Vice President of Corporate Affairs for the National Cooperative Bank. Good morning, John. Vernon, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing just great. Are you all ready for Christmas? Uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. We got a few more, uh, last minute things to get, but, uh, we're, we're, we're pretty close, but don't, don't worry about wrapping my gift, John. You, you, I don't need it wrapped up. In for you. <laughs> I would not have enough money in the world, Vernon, to get you a gift. Trust me. Trust me. Well, all I, all I like is that smile and that warm friendship that you have. That's enough gifts and talking about gifts. This cooperative America is wonderful gift to people that get people to know how to control their own destinies. So what do you guys have, National Co-op Bank? What do you all have for 2017? What's the planning? Well, we've got a lot of things going on, obviously. I, I tell you, uh, I, I thought about this yesterday. So much has happened since I was on the uh, call last. I mean, uh, and I'm really excited about going into to 2017. We've had a great year. Um, obviously, most of the work that I do uh, for the organization is within uh, the cooperative and community development arena. So, I think that we've had a great year in that regard because it's the it's the part of uh, the bank where we do a majority of our mission lending or work in low and moderate income communities, and so we've just had a chance to to work with some great organizations, uh, a lot of food co-ops. Uh, where we've worked a lot with some cooperative CDFIs, community development financial institutions uh, across the country, and so I'm just hopeful going into 2017 that we will continue to build upon that work and uh, continue to impact the low and moderate income communities that we work in. So what are some of the food co-ops? Where are they located? Well, one is Clifton Market in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, we had a chance to uh, work with them. It's uh, really, it's a great project. We have uh, five branches in uh, southwestern Ohio. So obviously Ohio is uh, very important to us, and we wanted to work there with uh, a CDFI. And you, you'll, you'll probably hear me come back to this CDFI theme a little more and more just because of the crux of what I do at the organization uh, is based uh, by doing the work with these community development financial institutions. And so Clifton Market was a fine example. There's a, another great example of one that hits a little closer to home, and I talked about it. Before, it's uh, the Renaissance Community Co-op there in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, where I happened to go to college. And it's just a great story of a community coming together. And while we didn't do any direct financing, um, I did lend some of my past government relations experience there. Mm -hmm. But um, working with co-op CDFIs like Shared Capital, formerly called North Country Development Fund, and Self-Help Credit Union there in Durham, you know, this community in, in Northeast Greensboro was able to uh, open this 10,000-square-foot full-service grocery store 
And you're talking about a community, Vernon, that had not had a grocery store for 18 years. And so to be there on opening day in November was just extremely Why didn't you invite me? I would have loved to have been down there, John. I tell you, it was an oversight, and as I always say, blame my my head and not my heart, Vernon. But it was just a a great – it was called a grand opening, but I would call it a celebration because Uh it was just such a hard work. Uh, by the community, uh, you know, predominantly African American community, who, with the help of the city of Greensboro and Self Help Venture Fund, which which I am honored to be the chair of the board of, as well as uh, Fund for Democratic Communities and a few others, you know, coming together to to create this community owned grocery store that is going to provide healthy food options to this community. Twenty eight good paying jobs, you know. You know, it's community-owned, and I am proud to say that I am owner number 1038, 1038, because uh, the very first thing that I wanted to do when I got there for the grand opening was I wanted to join myself. And so anytime I'm back in Greensboro, I'm going to make sure that I stop at uh, the Renaissance Community Co-op to to do a purchase a few things. My, my wife does most of the grocery shopping, and she wouldn't trust me in a grocery store, but <laughs> I'll be able to pick up a, I'll be able to pick up a few things. Uh, when I'm in Greensboro again, you get you get some water. I got some. that's about it. I get some bottled water, maybe some paper towels. Uh, that's about it. That's about it. But that's let me just trust me with for the people that didn't hear you the last time. This was an old grocery store or something that they closed. Yes, down? it was a it was a Winn Dixie grocery store that had been there for some time off of Phillips Avenue in this northeast portion of Greensboro, uh, predominantly African American, and for whatever reason. 18 years ago, and what I found out throughout the process of doing this, it closed not because it wasn't making money, but, you know, just as, as, as organizations and companies do, it uh, was doing some restructuring, and it closed. And so for 18 years, it sat dormant. This entire shopping strip sat dormant, and the only thing that you had was a, a family dollar at the very end of the street now, and then uh, the city comes in and builds this beautiful library. And so you have this beautiful library on one side of the parking lot. And then on the other side of the parking lot, you have this boarded up grocery store. And so residents would have to get on buses, uh, many of whom are older Americans, and they'd have to get rides and take taxi cabs to get to some of the nearest grocery stores on Wendover Avenue or, or, or over on Summit Avenue. And so they so all. I, I want to get, get this definition, and this is what we now call a food desert. The people yeah. don't have anywhere close by that they can go and get fresh vegetables and fruits, and for that matter, almost nothing except for a convenience no, store. No, there was a, there was a market there, and I won't name the name of it, just to be kind. That I walked into and turned right back out of, just because of uh, the smell in the market, and and all they really had was a couple couple things of fruit. I wouldn't say that it was fresh, uh, and, and 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 anything in the world. That had sugar in it. They had it, um, and that's not healthy. And that's not healthy. And so it's unhealthy. The community at all, at all. So the community came together and knew absolutely, positively nothing about a co-op, or co-ops, or the cooperative principles. And so what they did was they educated themselves. And um, it was so empowering to meet the board chair and so many of the other folks who were coming together to do this. But they needed. Uh, money from the city. They needed uh, money from 
from foundations and other folks to try to uh, help them get off the ground. And so as a employee of the bank, as well as a board member of the Self-Help Venture Fund, I kind of just lent my past government relations experience to them. And we visited the city council several times. Um, one great thing is that the, the, the store actually sits in the district of a city council person who was actually an a, a A&T grad like myself. And it was really touching because the first time that I got a chance to sit down and meet with him, he talked to me about um, me coming to speak to him in spring of 2006. And he remembered that conversation uh, vividly. So I immediately felt very old, number one. But the other <laughs> two, I also, I also felt very proud that Maybe something that I said um, allowed uh, Jamal, Jamal Fox, who's an incredible city council person there in Greensboro, to to want to go into public service. But you know, we worked with the city, we worked with um, the the co-op, uh, and the city was able to put in two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of seed money to help the store open. And so again, you can't put a price tag on how important this is. And I encourage anyone of your listeners who happens to be in Greensboro, North Carolina at any time to stop by the Renaissance Community Co-op to become a member and or to make a purchase to support. Because it's one thing to open and all the work that goes into it. It's another thing to support and sustain the the co-op. And so that's what I'm hopeful everyone is able to do. And so what's what's the address there in Greensboro? I don't have the exact address right in front of me, but it's on Phillips Avenue in Northeast Greensboro. If you go straight down Summit Avenue and make a right, and make a laugh, you'll find it. Uh, and I happen to happen to know Greensboro very well, having having gone to school there. So um, this is North Carolina A and T is at in Greensboro. Yes, historically yes, black college. Pride. Yes, HBCU, largest HBCU in the country. I might add. Uh, I have the address for larger you here, than how uh, Vernon. Larger, largest HBCU in the country. Largest HBCU in the country right now. I'll give you the address. It's two five one seven Phillips Avenue, Greensboro, North Carolina. Two seven four zero five, and um, the Renaissance just, Food Cooperative. Yep, and its mission is to create a democratically owned and controlled grocery store in Northeast Greensboro that provides all of Greensboro with healthy foods at an affordable price and has a commitment to locally sourced foods, community education, and dignified jobs. So I'm sure that you can see right there just you know one or more of the cooperative principles within the mission statement as well four of them okay yeah i heard about four all right okay so that was large renaissance and i what i recall was what a thousand people showed up and put in five dollars or ten dollars each to get the seed money to get started oh yeah early on yeah now it's up to uh now it's up to a hundred dollars so you know i i I, and you can and you can pay for it over time it doesn't have to be a deal where you, you you know uh Drop a hundred right when you join. You can easily do it uh, in increments. Um, and, and the day that I was able to join, and actually my colleague Brian Meisenheimer, who does a lot of our work in the grocery sector, was able to to, to join me as well. So I quickly signed up uh, uh, as a as a member, and then I went and bought me a uh, Equal Exchange coffee mug and bought some coffee. Uh, many people know that Equal Exchange also is a is a cooperative. So you know. I uh, do what I can. You know, I'm a member of the Weaver Street Co-op here in my home state of North Carolina, as well as um, obviously um, credit unions, cooperatives. You know, it's, it's amazing. And one of the things I want to say to you, Vernon, is that people in many cases don't make the correlation between community development and co-ops. And as I said to you before, 
a lot of the work that I do is with these CDFIs, which are administered by the CDFI fund and the U.S. Treasury. And they're actually three uh, cooperatively based CDFIs across the country. And I'd love to give them a shout out because we work with them um, a lot. One is Shared Capital. It's a, a national loan fund and certified CDFI. There's a, another one called the uh, Local Enterprise Assistance Fund or LEAF. Um, it, it also works to assist cooperatives and socially uh, social purpose ventures. And then last but not least, there is the Cooperative Fund of New England. And so, you know, it also too is a community development loan fund that facilitates socially responsible investing in cooperatives. And so out of the thousand or more CDFIs that you have across the country, you have these three that are primarily uh, based on working in community development um, around cooperatives. And, and, and that can that can take many forms, but uh, in, in this case, uh, with Renaissance, it took the form of a, uh, a food co-op. You know, we got to take our first break here, John, and it's so much information. And you, when you talk, I can hear the enthusiasm, passion that you have for this work. Uh, but we're going to take our first break, and then we'll come back, and I will give a definition. You've talked about worker-owned co-ops like Equal Exchange and consumer cooperatives uh, like uh, food, food co-op that you just talked about. But we'll be right back and talk more to you about what you guys are going to be doing, the NCP is going to be doing in 2017. Uh, please don't touch the dial. We'll be right back. Fourteen fifty W O L. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Uh, the program is Everything Co-op. The National Cooperative Bank is sponsoring this program, and you know that W L is a great, great partner because, as they just said information is power so we're trying to give you the information that you might need to help you to control your own destiny or improve the your community as this renaissance uh food cooperative has done in greensboro north carolina in the neighborhood mostly black neighborhood and we have on the show with us this morning mr john hosclaw who is the vice president of corporate affairs at the national cooperative bank john you said a lot in the first 15 minutes what I wanted to talk about really quick was mm-hmm. the definition of cooperatives. I have it that a cooperative is a business, any business you can think of. The main two types are if the employees own the business, like you mentioned, equal exchange, then mm-hmm. it is called a worker cooperative. And if the consumer owns the business and controls it, then it is, well, consumer cooperative. The people that use right. the products and services own it. And housing co-ops are examples of that. Food co-ops, one that you just talked about, Renaissance is an example of that. Credit unions are examples of it. And then we Mm -hmm. have marketing cooperatives and we have um, purchasing cooperatives. So Mm -hmm. there's all types of different forms that co-ops could be. But mainly, as your boss, Mr. Chuck Snyder said, is people helping Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, I like also what Dame Pauline Green, who was the president of International Cooperative Alliance said, she said that co-ops help people to come out of poverty with dignity. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so whether somebody's in poverty or you're just in a a desert. Now, I want to give you a name of somebody, and I'd like to text you her telephone number. Her name is Tambra Ray Stevenson. And we had a uh, screening of the movie Food for Change. 
and I met her. There's a group of people that she is working with that wants to start a food co-op, or at least they're exploring the possibility of starting a food co-op in uh, southeast D.C. that is a food Mm -hmm. Mm council. So Mm -hmm. she's working with the city, and they have a committee that's working on that, and they're looking at doing a, a screening for Food for Change with Steve Alves produced, and he has been on the on the program too. But they're looking at doing this screening in sometime in, I think it was late January or early February. Mm-hmm. But I'll try to get you the information. I think you would really like. Uh, I've met a couple people that's working on that group. Uh, so that yeah, please do, nice. please do. You know, I, I would, I would, I would definitely welcome that. You're, and you know what, Vernon, you're, you're starting to see more and more across the country. Um, for example, you just talked about the community in Southeast DC, but you're also starting to see there's community in uh, uh, Minneapolis, um, a predominantly African-American community in Minneapolis, who is almost in the same situation that Renaissance was, where they're trying to find ways to start a co-op there, food co-op. And so what we tried to do is we tried to you know, link them up with the folks at Renaissance to talk about lessons learned and some of the nuts and bolts. But you know, you really touched on the different forms of cooperatives in you know, in, in a lot of ways, the National Cooperative Bank touches all of them. You know, for example, I had a chance uh, a couple of months ago to attend the uh, Federation of Community Development Credit Unions meeting down in Texas. And so, you know, here, um, a lot of folks know credit unions. I always find it amazing um, when I go, uh, used to go on Capitol Hill and talk about cooperatives and the staffers wouldn't know much about cooperatives, but I would ask them, well, are you a member of the Senate Federal Cooperative, I mean, a credit union, or are you a member of the the House-based um, Federal Credit Union? And they say, yes, proudly. Uh, mm-hmm. And I say, yeah, well, that's a cooperative. It's a cooperative. It's it's a credit union that is owned by its members. Uh, and you, you, so you know more about cooperatives than you think you do. And so these community development credit unions, uh, in fact, are, many of them are certified CDFIs. And they also do work in these LMI communities. And so we've worked very hard to establish uh, partnerships with these um, CDCUs, as they're called, to either have a uh, de- uh, deposit uh, relationship or a correspondent banking relationship uh, with them, but more or less on my side um, um, to try to find ways for us to work together um, on um, um, transactions uh, in their communities uh, to help them fill the gaps um, because they're all doing great work. You talked about uh, worker co-ops and equal exchange. You know, we do a, a lot of work with OneWorkerOneVote.org uh, and their um, organization whose mission is to build a national network of unionized worker-owned cooperative businesses, you know. And so, you know, their whole deal is overcoming inequality, opportunity, mobility, and income. And so you're seeing... You're talking about Michael thing. Peck. There you go. Yes, Michael Peck. He's been on the show a couple times. My only problem with Michael Peck, he says three hours worth of stuff in about half an hour. He has so much information. (laughs) He's a wonderful guy. I tell you, I tell Michael all the time, I I said, you know, when you email me, I have to print those emails out. I just can't read them (laughs) on on my computer or on my iPhone because they're too long. So I have to print them out and get a highlighter and you know because he he makes such great points but his, his wealth of knowledge is such that he <laughs> he puts uh so much information in, in him but i'm so glad that he's had a chance to to be on the show for a couple times but those are again those are two other areas you know that we try very hard to work with 
uh, cooperatives, um, you know, be it credit unions, um, be it the support of the the worker worker owned cooperative movement. I was at the social uh, capital markets or SOCAP as it's called a couple of years ago. And this is just a collection of burning of foundations and philanthropic folks who who want to invest and provide grants and whatnot uh you know to do good, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I saw on the on the um um agenda they had two uh, very interesting things. They had one on, on housing co ops and it was led by um Oh, see, I, it's so funny. I know her by our Twitter feed, but, but I, um, my, her name's escaping me right now. Loco, Loco Vesting um, is the name of the book. And if you haven't had a chance to go out and buy it, please do. It's incredible. She spoke at our annual meeting a couple of years ago, and I apologize to her in advance for not remembering her name L-O-C-O right now. L-O-C-O Vesting? Local, yeah, L-O-C-A Vesting is the name of the book. Or if you want to learn more or, or, or follow them, um, you can go at Local Vesting at, on Twitter to, to find out what their happenings are. But again, I apologize for not remembering her name. But they had that uh, on the agenda, number one. And then number two, they had a worker-owned cooperative workshop as well. And I wasn't as surprised about the housing co-op one because that's, that's pretty much been in the know. But I was surprised about the worker co-op uh, presentation and workshop. And so I said, hey, I'll just go to that and see what some of these philanthropic and foundation folks feel about it. And lo and behold, it was packed. Um, there are a lot of foundations there that wanted to learn more about the, the process and learn more about um, some of these worker-owned co-ops that are sp- sprouting up all across the country. Uh, even more so, um, I, I think that uh, the City Foundation um, just recently, earlier this year, had a webinar on worker-owned co-ops. And so you're starting to see more interest as folks are obviously aging who own companies and may, may or may not have children to pass the companies on to, but are giving their workers the opportunity to buy or to cooperatively own these companies. And so, you know, it does my heart good because I know going into 2017, and while it will be a very interesting year from a lot of different standpoints uh, in the political arena, as well as uh, many other things, um, I do think that the one constant thing that will be will be this increase in folks wanting to uh, learn more about uh, the cooperative principles and worker co-ops and things of that nature. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about that. And I think that NCB's work will even be more prevalent going into next year because of this rise in the desire to want to learn more. Yeah, and one of the things I heard at NCB's annual meeting from the U.S. Federation of Worker Cooperatives, they said that that 40% of the people that are starting worker cooperatives are brown or black. They're people of color. Yeah. And yeah. That, that did my heart good. At, that because yeah. one of the reasons I like and falling in love with co-ops is because that's, this is the way that I see that people that don't have money, don't have wealth, haven't, don't know how to create wealth. And the whole system of poverty, it's sort of like it's sort of intended maybe by design or maybe it happens this way. But once you're in poverty, you stay in poverty. You sort of you, you dig further and further into the hole. You don't dig you know, out of the hole. That's uh, it. And co-ops is a way of learning how to operate a business, learning how to work together, learning how to solve problems together. And there's going to be conflict, learning how to deal with the conflict. And mm-hmm. when there's money made, you share the money. Uh, but That's the it. workers decide how that money is shared. And so I, I'd love co-ops and hope that more and more people would get involved with them. And the U.S. Federation of Worker Cooperatives is one place to go. You, you also, the cdf.coop uh, 
uh, Corporate Development Foundation has some funding oh, yeah. to help start some co-ops. So there's a lot of places mm-hmm. out there to help uh, if you want to get started. And if you can call John Hosall at the bank or you can call me if you have an idea about starting a business, any type of business, then we can sort of help lead you to the right places to get some support and help. You're right. You're right. And, and, and so, again, that, that's what I'm getting a lot of. I'm getting a lot of people who are, are calling me. And, you know, I tell you this, I also um, sit on the board of uh, the, the Carolina Small Business Development Fund, formerly called the Support Center here uh, in North Carolina. Um, credible leader there, Linwood Long, and, and I happen to chair the Policy and Research Committee. And, you know, they understand the cooperative piece. They do and, and want to find a way to do more work. I mean, they also do incredible work with veterans. They do incredible work with African-American and, and, and small businesses owned by people of color and whatnot. But John, we're going to come, come right back. We've got to take our second break. I don't want to stop. I got you. Talking. I got you. Thanks, Vernon. I okay. got you. Talk soon. Uh-huh. We'll be right back. Fourteen fifty W O L. Everybody, this is Vernon Oaks. Everything cooperative. We talk about cooperatives. John, when we took the break, you were telling us about the Carolina Small Business Incubator or Development Center. Uh, development fund, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, what I was saying basically was, I'm, I'm I'm working hard to use my perch there as the chair of the Policy and Research Committee to you know, North Carolina as a whole, obviously with the exception of Renaissance. It's not a. I don't want to say it's not a co-op friendly state, but there aren't. Uh, there are not a lot of co-ops within the state. Obviously, you have some pretty prominent ones like Weaver Street Market and Renaissance now, and you've got the the Durham Co-op Market. There's one in Hendersonville, um, the Co-op Market. But besides that, it, it kind of ends. And so, working with groups like Carolina Small Business, and then um, I don't know. If, I'm sure you might know Thomas Beckett at uh, the Carolina Common Enterprises uh, that does a lot of work trying to develop uh, and provide a lot of these emerging cooperatives with some of the background and help uh, and nuts and bolts that they need to develop. I'm trying to do a little bit more in my home state here to see what I can do to to boost those numbers. Um, but, 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 what, but what I don't want to downplay is just, you know, all of the Various folks who are reaching out to me. There's a there's a, another organization called uh, it's run by Ron Hans, but it's a, it's a group of community development corporations uh, based out of Baltimore and the D.C. metropolitan area. And I think Ron's been on your show before, but uh, I, I, I met with Ron just yesterday and we talked. Oh, about, you did, yeah. Community conscious, uh, creating yeah yeah with a conscious, uh, and so we talked about uh, housing co-ops. And he's doing some training. He's trying to create some training uh, in 2017 to get more yeah. people involved. So, yeah. and, I, and I told him he needs to have you as a keynote speaker at uh, their uh, one of their summits that they have in the upcoming years because you would probably have some valuable information to, to impart to them. He feels strongly that a lot of the work that they're doing in Baltimore and for some of the communities that they serve could be, you know, affordable, cooperative, or limited equity housing could could go very far. And allowing uh, many folks in those communities to own, you know, and and have, uh, although limited, have equity in the houses that they live. And so I'm glad that he's reaching out to you as well as uh, to me because I'm working to try to set up a call with him and some of our folks internally to um, educate um, him on the matter. He actually 
saw it. You might have seen you might have seen the, the film Food for Change when they showed it there in DC, but um he's uh really committed to to learning more about the whole cooperative piece and what 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 he can do or what their organization can do to help those in uh in Baltimore. So I think he did come he, to, he came to that screening, I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah, oh yeah. He 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 definitely talked in great length about it and how impressed he was about it and whatnot. Uh, and he wants to purchase the film um, for the network so that they're able to, to see it at will. But I'm glad that, that he and he and you and I and, and others are all, all crossing paths. So that's good to hear. I want to talk to you about when you're talking about housing co-ops, the city of uh, DC city state had a, uh, their committee on housing and community development had a hearing on the, um, how do you maintain housing co-ops, uh, limited equity housing co-ops? And they yes. gave examples of a lot of the problems that they are hearing. It's particularly board-based where they don't have elections or they don't pay their vendors, they don't keep the place clean and so forth. And mm. so I, they were looking for solutions, and I wanted to talk to you about the two solutions that I brought forth to them. One was... okay to create market uh, management uh, at the least possible price, and I call it shared management. And I got this from, I used to manage some four-unit co-ops, and I couldn't manage, they couldn't afford it. And so I ended up helping them to learn how to manage themselves, where somebody would pay the bills, somebody would collect the money, somebody would take care of the vendors, the four, the four people, they would just share what happened, happened. But I was thinking, well, perhaps I could still do the bookkeeping and the reports for them at a real nominal mm-hmm. price. Um, but it was also the other idea was that we would have group meetings. One of the things that really kills property managers are all of these night meetings. So I was thinking maybe we could have a group of five smaller co-ops or bigger co-ops, whatever, meet on Saturday mornings or something. So that was mm-hmm. how, you, how do you get management and quality management at lowest price? And the other one was to create a report card. And this basically came out of the co-op metrics group. And I, when I went to them about doing this, their fees were way too high. So I'm t- working with the Potomac Association of Housing Co-ops and trying to figure out how to get other people involved. Where we Every housing co-op would have a report card, and we would create it like on governance. Are they operating according to the bylaws, the loan docs, house rules? Have they do they do they have their elections? Do they have their book of minutes? Do they have functioning committees with with uh, minutes? Do they evaluate themselves, evaluate the board, and also evaluate the management? And then under management, I've got you know what's the brick and mortar like? Do a React type inspection? React is a HUD inspection, um, but have maintenance done every five completed within five days, regular maintenance, emergency within twenty four hours, but measure it and see how well you're doing. And right. then also measure management. Are the files in order? Are the bills paid on time? Do you do you manage your waiting list? And are delinquencies uh, less than ten percent of the people are delinquent, and you don't have that many uh, renters? And what's mm-hmm. your savings like? And I know the bank is very big on this, but uh, savings that we call replacement reserves. Uh, when what percent of your reserves should you have? Should each housing co-op have and when I mentioned this at a Potomac Association meeting, one of the guys said in their bylaws, they talked about 25% of their annual budget is what they should have. And I just right. thought that was way too low, but perhaps not. And the one I really want to get into is social programs. What kind of social programs does the housing co-op have? Do they have things for their seniors or for their children or for their families? And how do they work together on these things? 
So, so I'll give you. I'll give you a good example, and it, and it's uh, you know now while it has a housing base to it, we've had an opportunity over the years to work with a, a CDFI called uh, Rock USA up in the, in the northeastern part of the the country, and what they have is this. You know, listen, we we all know that baby boomers now are 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 coming out of retirement age, and you hear about it on uh, Capitol Hill and other places. Some people call it an age wave. Some people call it an age tsunami um, um, of, of folks who are coming online and retiring and whatnot. And so, what Rock USA does, and and and, and as we get older, um, what do we want to do? We want to be able to age in place. We don't want to to you know one of the saddest. And I'm and I'm, and I'm, and I'm again, I'm not knocking the the program. One of the saddest things for me was my you know seeing my 95 year old grandmother in a in a nursing home before regretfully um, and sadly she passed away, but she would have rather stayed in her home and aged in place and, and, and whatnot. But, but, but what's happening with rock USA and some of the things that we're doing uh, with them is that they are creating cooperatively owned mobile park communities. And so what this allows in many cases, some of the individuals who are older Americans, what it allows them to do is to continue to own while at the same time being a community that um, they are with uh, other older Americans, like-minded older Americans who have the same struggles and the same sometimes uh, illnesses and whatnot. And so they're able to come together um, as this cooperative, but not only live together, but also try to work together to, to have the services that they need to help them age in place. And so, you know, you know, that's one of the social um, based um, things that we're doing from a cooperative standpoint, it, you know, we're, we're very proud of it because um, this year the American Bankers Association ABA Foundation actually awarded us with a commitment to community award for just for that particular project in the affordable housing category. And so, you know, it covers a lot of various things. It covers the cooperative piece. It covers the social piece for us. I mean, there are other emerging um, cooperatives that are coming online. Now, there's a, and, I, and I don't know much uh, as I should, but there, there are these home care co-ops that are, are coming online now, and you're starting to hear a little bit more ab- about them. We have yet to finance or do any work with one, but, you know, it's, it's something that we're, we're tracking and keeping, keeping our eyes on as it pertains to home care co-ops. But if I would give you one, it would probably be the Rock USA example. And I know, you know, and I'm 47 now, but in a few years, uh, maybe I'll be moving to New Hampshire to um, live in one of these mobile park cooperatives uh, so that I can be with other, uh, I don't know if I'm a millennial, I don't know what I am. But, uh, <laughs> You're in somewhere in the middle of that. But X you know, generation, <laughs> X generation, Y generation, whatever I am, but um, I'd I like to, to, to be able to, to live in a community like that. Well, uh, Paul Bradley, who is the president of Rock USA, has also been on the program, and we had a wonderful, wonderful conversation. And I'm going to reach out to him about this idea, about this report card of how to get people to really, really, really evaluate themselves uh, to see how well they're doing and then be able to share that with other corporate. I was thinking about a a committee uh, that that is made up of different housing co-ops. I think there's 100 limited equity uh, housing co-ops in D.C. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a mm-hmm. much larger number than I than I first thought. And if they could work together to look at each other and to help each other and to, uh, figure out what's going right and what's going wrong, but that would mean right. sharing financials and sharing information, best practices. Uh, but uh, Paul Bradley is, is doing really good. But it's not just – you don't have to move up 
to where they are, where they're they're out all over the U.S. Oh yeah, and yeah, so that is right. They are national. They are national. They are, they're they a are national program, and they're doing really good. I was only disappointed that they're not in West Virginia. They don't have a partner in West Virginia right now. We have a lot of well, we used to call them trailer parks. They're called them mobile home right. parks now, and they could be rural houses and look extremely good. But um, right, yeah, there's a lot that we can do to help people help themselves, basically. Well, you couldn't you couldn't ask for a better one than Paul, you know, to work with this on number one and number two. I, I definitely am surprised by the one hundred number of co-ops in uh, housing co-ops in D.C. at a hundred. But at the same time, you know, if, if, if you even think about the solution you're trying to do here, Vernon, it's it's a cooperative solution. You're all yeah. coming together to try to find a way to provide this shared management or uh, a checklist or or things of that nature that can be uniform and agreed upon by all these cooperatives, many of whom um, have, have benefited from lesson learned and many of whom can benefit from things that they, 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 they don't know. And so, you know, again, I applaud you for that effort and, you know, in, in any way that uh, NTB can help in regards to providing any knowledge or expertise from a financial standpoint and, and the financing of these and, and records and whatnot, we, we would be definitely happy to, to lend, uh, lend a voice to that. Well, that was one of the reasons I was telling you, because I'm really impressed with what you and NCB does. So getting your brains on this one could be very, very helpful. And it also could help the bank because people can see problems beforehand. That's, that would be the idea and then therefore be able to solve them working cooperatively. Yeah, it, you know, and one, one of the things that, that I've, I've been tasked with, and, and let me know I am on time, but you know, I've been tasked with this overall um, CDFI strategy and this outreach to CDFIs and, and listen, we're not a community development bank. We're not a certified CDFI. And I tell folks all the time, but I do feel strongly that we are a mission driven financial institution. And that's, you know, congressionally mandated in the law that created us. But over the course of years, it's become a part of our DNA. It is your DNA. And we're so going to, it is our DNA. It we're going, is. We're so, going to take uh, a, we're going to take our last break and come back and talk more about your DNA. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> And probably I need to have you on another time here sooner than the last time. We'll be right back, everybody. Please don't touch that dial. Fourteen fifty W O L. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and we're talking about cooperatives with Mr. John Holdslaw, that's H-O-L-D-S-C-L-A-W, who is the Vice President of Corporate Affairs for the National Cooperative Bank. John, we just had somebody call in and wanted to know how to get a hold of you. <laughs> how to get a hold of me? Yeah. Uh, okay. Contact I can information. Give, kind of, okay. I can give my uh, direct line at work as well as my email if folks would like to have it. Uh, my direct line at work is uh, uh, area code 202-349-7448. And then my uh, email address, and I apologize, uh, it's a long last name. It's J Holtzclaw, H-O-L-D-S-C-L-A-W, at ncb.coop. Okay, so it's J H O L D S. C L A W, yes sir. At 
ncb.coop. Yes, sir. That's Te- it. That's telephone it. number for John is his direct number at work is 202-349-7448. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. We were talking about the DNA of the National Cooperative Bank when we took our final and last break. Mm-hmm. And so yes, we only have about another 13 minutes here, John. So yes, let's pick what we want to talk about because you have so much that we can talk about. But mm-hmm. you said it was a mission-driven bank. It was created. Yes to support cooperatives and particularly uh I think it was what it was called communities that had problems. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think if you if you look at it and it was it was it, uh, chartered in the 95th Congress and the original act was called the National Consumer Cooperative Bank Act. And so, you know, it was formed to deliver financial services to at the time obviously an underserved niche, you know, cooperatives, housing cooperatives. But the, the, the part that um, when I talked about our DNA, that is uh, the bulk of the work that I do, is that per the act, there was a, a provision there that we must um, make best efforts that 35% of all of our disbursements be in low and moderate income communities. And so you're talking about, you know, I can't, like I always say, I can't stack up what we do in LMI communities uh, against some of the larger banks in the in the in the country, but I will sure go toe to toe with them uh, from a percentage standpoint. So last year in 2015, um, we did uh, 290 million dollars in low and moderate income communities. So you're talking about you know 170 million in housing. Uh, we did. Uh, Fifty-six million in community development and expansion. Uh, an emerging thing for us now is renewable energy. Thirty-three, thirty-three million in that. We've talked about Renaissance and some of the others um, uh, co-ops across the country. You know, ten million in food and so uh, small business. We do a lot of work in Alaska with Native Alaskan uh, organizations. And so, you know, uh, you know, it really is like I said, a part of the DNA um, of uh, of the organization. And I get a chance. To, and when I report directly to um, um, Chuck Snyder, the bank's president and CEO, the team that I work the most with is the specialty finance team uh, led by Ann Fedorchak and the rest of her squad. And I can't, I can't say enough about the work that they do uh, across the country uh, on some of these low and moderate income uh, in these communities. I mean, these are, and in some cases, not always the easiest loans to do, and you have to be very innovative um, to get them done. But I. I watch how hard they work, and many of uh, many of these loans that that they do are ones that I bring in, um, or ones that I try to bring in from a business development standpoint. But you know, the bank, you know, I always say in, in, uh, that the, the bank is probably the best investment that the federal government has ever made, uh, just because of the return that we've given not only to LMI communities but to cooperatives as a whole. You know, I try to uh, as much as I can. A visit True Value Hardwares or Ace Hardwares um, uh, because they're purchasing cooperatives. And uh, if they were not purchasing cooperatives, they couldn't compete with some of these bigger box hardware stores. And so, you know, I just, you know, I, I try very hard to um, uh, lead by example. And, you know, I am a member of several credit unions here um, as well as uh, I, I'm a member of uh, uh, have a bank account uh, with us here at the bank. Um, and what people don't know is that because we are formed as a cooperative, and just like any cooperative that may have 
good year and have patronage. Um, NCB uh, was able to give patronage in um, in 2016 of, of up to $9 million um, to more than the 1,800 and cooperative shareholders that we have nationwide. I think out of that $9 million, uh, which could have been more stock, uh, we um, gave $3.6 million in cash. And so if you're this cooperative member, uh, small or medium, and, and you get this patronage check from being a member of uh, this bank that is a cooperative, I mean, it's in many cases, that money can be pennies from heaven. And so, you know, we, we, tr- we try to live our brand and, and to, to the best of our ability. And uh, anybody who may follow me on Twitter, you may see two things. You may see a lot of college football stuff, but you also may <laughs> see a lot of things about hashtag go co-op. And uh, I don't know if it gains me followers or loses me followers because it's not uh, the most exciting Twitter feed in the world. I really don't. I really don't want anybody to know that I had eggs and turkey bacon for breakfast this morning, but I do want people to know that uh, there's a really cool uh, startup co-op in D.C. right now. And so, again, uh, we just try to lead by example. And, uh, you know, our brand is very important to us. It really is. Well, one of the things uh, that I like about co-ops are the values and the principles and the values of self-help, self-responsibility, democracy, equality, equity, and solidarity. But, the, you know, the traditional values of honesty, honesty, openness, social responsibility, and caring for others. And what I see yeah. the bank doing and people in the bank, and you mentioned Ann and Chuck and yourself and other people, Larry Matthew, they you're really trying to help people uh, have a better yeah. life, a better quality of life. Yeah. And yeah. Chuck always says we want to uh, do well to do good. You know, and the more uh, that we're able to perform uh, as a financial institution, it just means uh, the better work that we can do in a lot of these communities. I mean, listen, I, you know, I don't have to go into great detail about my story, but I'm from very humble beginnings. I'm a proud um, Head Start child uh, from a small town in North Carolina who uh, went to college on as many grants and and uh, scholarships as I could go on and finished and. Uh, one of the first ones in my family to do so, and so again, you know, I'm a, a great example of of uh, it takes a it takes a it takes a village, um, a cooperative village, I might add, to build uh, and, and and make me the professional that I am today. And so, shame on me if I don't, you know, live that and be a part of that. And so that's one of the great things. And I think you asked me this at the last uh, telecast. You know, you know, did I like? A job that I like working. I was just getting ready to ask you again. Yeah, I know you were. I know you were. I got. I got. I got ahead of you there. But uh, I do. I do. I really. I really do enjoy what I do. I have fun. I work with uh, great colleagues. You know. uh, I just. You know. Again, the impact that we're able to have, and when you see the numbers, and you go to these projects, and you meet the folks who are going to benefit the most from it. You know, it really just puts a cherry on top of all the of all the effort that you put into it. And um, you know, in many cases, it's not easy work, and um, you can't get married to every every deal. And some 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 are approved, and some are not. But at the same time, it doesn't keep you from trying. And so, that's important. It's important. But I really really enjoy what I do and the opportunity to work in communities that I you know like the one I grew up in. You know, like the one I grew up in, and uh, uh, it's important. Well, you know, I just want to get back to the values here a minute. It's volunteer and open membership. That's one of the reasons it doesn't depend on your gender or your social background or your racial background, your political affiliation or religious. It just doesn't make any difference. The co-ops are open. Democratic member control. 
Uh, one member, one vote. We've already talked about that. As member economic participation, we've talked about that. Normally, just like in the Renaissance, it's a hundred dollars to, to join now, and it was ten before. But if the Renaissance make money, or when it makes money, the members can decide to give back some of that money. Could be in in Renaissance paper, so you can come in and buy stuff at the store. It could be in different kinds of forms, but you have a way of getting back. Uh, if the if the entity is successful, autonomy and independence is critical. You have to own and control it. Education and training and information that's the fifth reason, fifth uh, principle. And then co-op among cooperation. We cooperative. We talked about that. And in the DNA of co-ops is concern for community. Uh, so this is this is what co-ops are all about, and the reasons that I really love them. I didn't learn about them, uh, and this year I'll. Well, my next birthday, I'll be 70. So you're at wow. 49, and it's sort of like, uh, I don't know what retirement looks like. Uh, some of the things we've talked about here in, in different communities, yeah, perhaps I definitely want to live in place. I don't want to go to mm-hmm. one of these. But I, I'm expecting, well, okay, I'll still work another 30 years or so. I'm not gone. Okay. And, I have, and I, have, I have no doubt that you will. Can you, can you just... Honor, or just give me one second here to have two uh, shameless plugs going into next Go. year. Uh, you got one minute. Year, you got one minute to do it. I'll say it fast. Uh, the 50th uh, anniversary next year, celebrating a century next year for the Federation of Southern Cooperatives down in Atlanta. And look for more information to come out of the Federation there. Uh, black farmers there uh, trying to save land. And then last but not least, uh, NCBA uh, CLUSA will have some more information coming out about uh, celebrating their 100th year and um, and uh, coming out about a summit in October. So just two shameless plugs of things that um, I think are very important as we look at 2017 and ways to, again, uh, just promote and advance uh, the cooperative brand. I've already talked to Cornelius about theirs in the Federation. Uh, I went last year to their meeting. I didn't make it this year, but I'm planning on going next year, and I've told them I'll MC or speak or do whatever they want me to. They always looking for money. So if you can go on federation.coop, you can donate money to the farmers to keep their land. And it's serious. So, buddy, thank you very much. You have a great Christmas and and wonderful holiday and wonderful new year. Thanks so much. And let's have a lot of fun cooperatively in this next year. I'm getting ready to go on travel, so I won't see you guys for a couple weeks. We'll be putting some past ones on, and maybe this one, John, we'll run it again in the next couple of weeks. But thank everybody. Please work and live cooperatively.